Welcome back to another episode of Running Through Rivers with me, your host, Shannon Rivers. So I think it's fascinating to kind of learn about people's origins, where they come from, who they are, what got them to the place in life that they're at now, right? Um, and some people haven't even heard my origin story, right? That they don't know like how much I moved when I was a kid or anything, right? So I was born in San Antonio, Texas in the late 80s to interracial parents, right? I was born on a military base because my dad was U.S. Air Force. And um, my mom and I have talked a lot about the kind of differences that we, differences and similarities that we see with race and race relations now compared with like when I was born right? And let me just tell you, not a lot has changed, but I digress. Um, So being born in Texas and having a white mother and black father led to some interesting stories, right? And we'll talk about those a different different day when we kind of talk about microaggressive behavior and, and, you know, the kind of nuances that come with things like that. Uh, But I know that the racism was bad because I moved to England when I was 10 months old and like lived here until I was seven. You know, my parents got divorced when I was four and, you know, there was some uh, changes that happened during that time. And I think, you know, learning about people's history helps to give some texture and some context to how they got to where they are today, right? Because our histories are so important and the conversations that we have in ourselves and with other people about our stories, like stories make us who we are. And as humans, it is normal for us to talk about stories and to share stories, right? Stories can be really powerful, So when I was seven, I moved to the Azores, which is an archipelago off of the coast of Portugal. And uh, my dad got stationed there and we were like, oh my gosh, let's go. And uh, we had a really fun life, right? Like we, me and my brother were able to go to the youth center and spend pocket money on giant pixie sticks, which are basically just sugar and (laughs) e-numbers, you know. Um, We had some really great friends in our neighborhood, and there's just some really great stories that exist from our time there, right? So it's like one of the places I've always loved and will at some point return to, to visit, because it was one of the things that really showed me how good sibling relationships can be. 
you know? But in that, in kind of living there, I'm just, you know, reminiscing about some of the housing and all of this, right? Um, some of the, um, housing and the stories around the housing and so we had like this island beater of a house of a car right like a, a car that was like really old and um it was burgundy <laughs> like rusted in places and uh like perfect little like get around car right or so you'd think but if you've never been to <laughs> the azores like the like there's sulfur pits and like it's and it came out of an eruption in the ocean you know so like there's hills and um really kind of different landscape right and there was this one time that I remember it happened a lot but there was this one distinct time that I remember we were at a party with my dad we're hanging out with like the kids at his friend's house and we were going home, right? So we were in one part of base housing, which was like down this hill from our house. And we were going back to our house and our car like died on the top, on like the middle of the hill. And we were just like, what? <laughs> you know, at like seven, you have no idea about anything like this, you know? And it's that kind of texture in stories, right? Those things that stand out for us that make stories meaningful and you know I, I I think about that story and all I can do is laugh right and some really other great things that happened there you know we were uh, I was raised in church right I am not in that space anymore but I was raised in church and um, the Azores was the place that I heard my dad sing so much so often you know um like one of the songs that I remember is a Kirk Franklin song that is called the reason why we sing and um he he was singing in the choir and we would sing around the house and this love of music was like built in to us right like my dad was gospel music and jazz and my mom was like Tony Braxton and, um, you know, kind of current popular music. And then when my dad got remarried, his, his new wife is, was really about nineties alternative rock. So I was really, I found my place in music, right? And I was in the choir from like really little, I was very musically inclined. I joined the choir at all of the churches and all the places that we've lived and you know I really found like me inside of music right and my love of music starts from really small you know um listening to my dad like put music on you know and listening, writing from my mom's house in Bedford to uh, Norfolk and, and having Tony Braxton on the radio. And, you know, um, still when I get that kind of, um, 
when those songs come on, because I'm definitely a 90s girl, right? Uh, when those songs come on a playlist for me, it immediately takes me back to this eight, nine-year-old child, you know? And I think that music is is powerful because it speaks to us like stories speak to us, right? So um, I lived in the Azores until I was nine, and then moved back to England for a short while before moving over to California. And, uh, you know, at nine, I didn't want to move, but I did because uh, my brother wanted to go. And uh, we, we moved there and we made this amazing community of, of military kid friends right? Like there was like a group of us that would always hang out and I'm still friends with so many of them, you know, uh, like social media is great. I've been able to reconnect with a lot of these people that I didn't have the chance to connect with for, you know, 10 years (laughs) because we, as a millennial, right? I'm only 34. We, the, the internet was not there as like a thing, a tool for us, right? Until we grew up, as the internet was growing up, right? And it wasn't until we got out of high school that, you know, um, things like Facebook were taking off and we might have had MySpace, but unable to really use the search function optimally to, to find people that we previously knew, you know? But, you know, I think those friendships that you make when you're when you're young the ones that stand the test of time really can be reignited as grown-ups you know like I remember um that one of the girls that I was um friends with in California when I was nine ten eleven years old uh we were in the same class you know um both black girls real proud and um when we reconnected it was around the time that we both got pregnant and our kids are like only a month or so apart you know our oldest one my oldest one um and so that's you know we got to go through that kind of life change together and I do think that it it kind of drew us a little bit closer together you know, um, and then I moved from California at a, I moved when I was 12, (laughs) uh, to Texas, right, into North Texas, and, um, it was an interesting time, it was the place that I received racist remarks, at school for the first time and it was one of the things where it was one of the times that I really noticed that my race mattered right that people were going to be mean to me because of what I looked like you know up until this point I had only ever been made fun of for being tall because I was one of the tallest in the class and my accent right when I moved over from the UK I had a British accent I assimilated real quick because people used to pick on me for it and it wasn't until we moved to Texas that 
I was singled out for stuff I didn't even know really mattered. Like I knew it mattered, but I'd never experienced it that I could remember to that point, you know? Um, my mom will probably argue (laughs) that, uh, I did experience racism and racist behavior before then, but, you know, this first, my first day of middle school in Texas, someone called me the N-word. I was at my locker. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't, you know, harming anybody. I was just going about my day trying to find my class, you know, and it's something that sticks with you so much right texas was an interesting time for me on like a lot of personal levels right um so when i was 14 i was sexually assaulted um and i'm not going to go into any any details about that but you know it changed the trajectory of my life you know and I kind of went inside myself and was very much a, I'm not going to trust anybody, you know. It was at that time as well that I stopped going to church and I had kind of my own kind of spiritual movement um, away from organized religion and, you know, all of that stuff. And then when I was 16, I... Now, when I was 14, I moved to Georgia. And specifically, we moved to Norcross in the suburbs of Atlanta. And the school that I went to was way more diverse than any school I'd ever been to. Um, and I didn't, you know, have a group of friends um, there. I was only there for ninth grade, and then I moved to Forsyth County when I was 15, 14, almost 15, Um, and I spent two years at the high school at Forsyth Central. I made some of the best friends that I have, that I will ever have in my whole life at that school, right? And it wasn't without its problems. Like, Oprah did a show about Forsyth County. And you can find it on YouTube. (laughs) I might include it in the show notes. We'll see if I remember. Uh, But Oprah made a show about this county because the whole county was a sundown county. And if you've never heard of a sundown town, it basically is if you're black and in the town after midnight or after well after the sun goes down not even at midnight after the sun goes down um you're more likely to be the victim of a hate crime and oprah went to this place and did a show and i moved to this place my family moved to this place and on the first day in my history class um they were they were watching this episode of the Oprah show and uh, about the history of Forsyth County and it was like AP history or something (laughs) and I was the only person in in the class that looked like me 
I was the only person in this whole, the whole entire school that looked like me for a whole year, but that's beside the point. <laughs> uh, and so that one was an interesting, like kind of baptism of fire. Right. Um, and then, you know, my dad retired from the air force at this point and had retired for a couple of years. And, uh, and then he got a job as a civilian for the Air Force, which meant that in junior year, I had to move. At the end of junior year, we moved. And I started a new school for my senior year of high school. And I, don't get me wrong, I had a great time in my senior year, right? I <clears throat> made some great friends and went to senior, our senior ball, which was like, um, you know, all the four high schools in the area all got together all the seniors and they went to uh prom together um and yeah I mean senior year was was different you know I made some cool I met some cool people I did some cool things I was part of like the model United Nations and um co-president even of that little organization and we did some really cool stuff you know we got to um I was part of the track team you know all the things I did it all you know (laughs) and tried to integrate myself as much as possible into the school you know but it's really hard when you're a senior right all these kids have been together for the last three years so they've all got kind of their groups and It's made for an interesting life, you know? Um, Yeah, and it just, it was a military town again, so there wasn't a lot of microaggressive behavior. I mean, it still existed, but it wasn't as frequent, you know? And then I went to college for a semester and a half, um, and I just wasn't ready to be in college when I was 18, you know, I wasn't ready to go to university. I had tried to defer for a year and kind of work and do stuff. And I couldn't, I couldn't do that. So I ended up moving into, um, a house sharing situation where the couple that I lived with were abusive and accused me of, stealing from them and I did everything that I possibly could in the power that I had to uh to not stay there you know I was staying with friends and spending the night with people and I was working so much I had a full-time job I was doing a full course load at school I was um doing everything you know I was doing it all and I didn't drive so I was on the metro all the time you know um I don't you know looking back at it I don't even know what how I slept you know but what I do know is that whenever things were difficult I put my head down I worked harder and got myself into a better situation you know And toward the end of that first semester at college, 
I told my housemates that I literally couldn't live there anymore. And I spent the next four months um, sleeping on my friend's floor on a blow-up mattress, you know? But it's all of these memories and these experiences that give our lives so much texture and show how barriers, you know, to some extent can be overcome with a little bit of tenacity and ambition, you know? And I'm not nothing if I'm not ambitious, you know? I'm always after the next thing and doing the next thing and wanting to get to the next thing, you know? Um, And I have worked, you know, since I was 14 years old. My first job was bagging groceries at a military grocery store and working for tips only. And I worked my butt off for those tips, you know, on Saturdays, I could come home with $150, you know, that's a lot for just tips, you know, and then I was I was always labeled as the good worker. So when I was 16, I got a job working for um, Kroger in Georgia, in Norcross is where I started. And then I moved up to the coming store and I just loved what I did and I worked hard and I was always on time and I did all the things I was supposed to do and I had to quit quote unquote um to come to Europe for a summer in 2004 and I had the conversation with like the store manager at the time and they were like you know we can't like let you just take like two and a half months of leave like that's not like a thing you know <laughs> and I was like no it's cool and they're like so you have to quit but you can always like reapply to work here again And so when I quit, I was a bagger. I was the person who was bagging the groceries, right? And uh, when I came back, I got a promotion and a raise. (laughs) You know, when I reapplied (coughs) to work there again Um, as a cashier, you know? And it was like a no-brainer for the store manager to bring me back because I was a hard worker. I did my job. I put my head down. I got through the day, you know? had a great time working at Kroger. I met some great people working at Kroger, you know? Um, and I had this job all through high school, all through all of my moves, you know, the three moves I did during the high school time, I stuck, I stuck with the same company. Um, and, and then I just, you know, had like waitressing jobs and bartending jobs and, you know, all of this stuff. And it wasn't, you know, cause you just have to get through, you have to make money, right? Cause money makes the world go round, right? (laughs) You know, as much as I hate that. Um, that was definitely how I thought, um, life worked, you know, you, you get a job and you work hard and you go to college and you get a degree and you do all this stuff, right? And I just didn't ever want to follow that track like it wasn't the thing that made me happy right having a job just to make money wasn't wasn't for me and I found that out pretty early you know I was always looking about the community that I could build and 
networking opportunities and who I could talk to. And, you know, that's why I really liked my job at Kroger was because I got to talk to so many different people and learn so much about people in the, you know, six minutes that I was scanning their groceries, you know, um, it was just a little piece of, and it's why I did so well as a waitress, right? Cause I could connect with people and be, you know, empathetic to them, you know, and, uh, and offer an ear as a bartender, you know, all of these things have led me to the point that I'm at right now. Right. And it isn't until you start reflecting on those experiences and the, the job choices that you have taken and the experiences that you've had that it, that you can kind of piece together and put together like that this whole time I was working for this particular thing, which was about creating community and creating connection and being really intentional with my relationships, you know, whether that was just people that I was scanning their groceries or my friend groups or, um, you know, the, the clients at a bar, you know, it was all of those things that led me to a situation where I felt like the best way for me to live my life is to build community, you know? So when I was 23, I quit my jobs <laughs> and uh, I started a business as a dog walker, right? And then I met my now ex-husband and through him, I got um, access to a group of women, military spouses, and we created our own little community for kind of us all, all us all of us kind of alt military spouses like we don't fit the mold of a military spouse um and so then I quit my dog walking business and I set up a bakery business <laughs> in, in Mildenhall and I did that for a little while and then you know then we got stationed in uh Delaware and had a baby and and then I got pregnant with another baby. <laughs> um, and then I became a breastfeeding peer counselor, right? And so that was still about creating community and being around people and um, creating relational and meaningful conversations with people. And it was through that work that I set up a breastfeeding group for women of color in Delaware. And to create the community that I didn't have, right? So there was the wider kind of breastfeeding Dover group and then this kind of littler women of color who breastfeed group. Um, and then I got a job as a car seat technician, right? A child passenger safety technician. I'm still certified. I'm an instructor. What, what? Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that gave me an opportunity to uh, get out in the community and explore more and learn more about people and how people work and how society works, right? And so all of this stuff has happened without a degree, right? And in 2017, I decided with the support of my husband at the time um, to go back to school. 
because I knew at this point what I wanted and what I needed was a degree, right? I didn't need to be a degree in anything special, but I needed a degree, right? To put myself up a, a little bit further ahead of other people who were trying to do the things I was trying to do. Um, so I did a full course, a full load at school. I had a job um, working for a cloth diaper company at this, at this time. Um, and I finished college. I finished university and I got a special distinction, which is really good, (laughs) um, with two young kids, right? So when I started school, Freya was two and Max was four. So having this, um, you know, really supportive spouse was imperative for me to finish school um, to finish on time, to be able to take a full course load every single semester to do it. And I got a special distinction, which means that I got a first class degree, right, for people in the UK. Um, for people in America, I got a 3.83 GPA. That's pretty dang good, right? I'm like the B that I got was in, <laughs> was in um, an art <laughs> I'm non-Western art and I'm just like, you know, not an art person. I really appreciate art, love art, don't want to write about it, you know. Um, But my degree is in organizational development with diversity studies. And it was during this degree that I was given some opportunities that I had never dreamed of having, you know. I had an amazing mentor in Dr. Ketchum, right? Paul Ketchum. He's good. Really good. <laughs> and I got to participate in some um, seminar work with with him. And I got to participate in some research opportunities. And I know from that experience that that was the right time for me to go to university, right? Because if I had gone to finish university when I was 18, what, 22, just did the math real quick for four years. I'd gone until I was 22 and like got my degree in journalism, which is what I was in school for. Um, I would have, I would never use that degree. Right. Um, I would have never gotten the opportunities that I did and I would have never met Dr. Ketchum. Right. And so it is those decisions that we make, right. Whether they're, um, the decision that you want to make or that you're forced to make or, you know, you've been umming and awing about the decision and what to do. And then you make the decision. How powerful is that? Right. I made the decision to leave school. You know, when I was 19, I was just like, this just isn't the time. And I got all of this work experience under my belt and then I went back to university and I met the mentor that I was supposed to have, you know, and because of that mentorship, I know that I will at some point in the near future, go back for my master's and continue on for my PhD. Right. But it's also all of these things that have brought me to, um, the consultancy and the community interest company, right? It's all about creating community and upskilling community and empowering community, 
right? Because throughout my whole life, and as I told that story, you could connect the dots, right? Throughout my whole life, it was about finding a place for me that I belonged. And when I couldn't find one, I made one. And how powerful being able to tell that story and paint that picture instead of just saying, oh yeah, I'm all about painting community. I'm all about building community, right? I painted the picture for you through a story. And that's the power of storytelling and why we should be using stories to tell people about ourselves, right? Whether that's in the form of a podcast or a blog or a post or talking to people in real life, right? Stories are powerful and knowing that every decision and every job and every um, challenge that you've come up against until this point has made it so that you are seeing and believing that those little small things, there is a running theme through them. And all you need to find is the needle to pull the thread. And for me, my thread is community. And now the needle is Shannon Rivers Consultancy, CIC, right? Um, (laughs) It's about building community and being there for people who don't have a community, who don't have a space, who don't have a place to go and, and talk to people and and have people understand them right so SRC is about community it's not just about um consultancy of course that's part of building the community you want to live in right um making sure that you're being inclusive and practicing belonging and not just stopping at diversity it's building community and bettering community and bettering the community that we live in. And in my life, everything that I've ever wanted has been about community, creating a community that I would want to be part of, right? And from friend groups when you're young and friend groups when you're in high school and jobs and colleagues and all of these things, right? They're all about community and community building and support and being supported, right? And being validated, right? Which is something we're going to talk about in a few weeks' time, you know? Um, when we talk about microaggressive behavior and, and listening actively to that person and not dismissing their concern, but actually validating them, right? That's part of building community too, right? Stories really help to bring people together. And so as we kind of wrap up this episode, I do hope that you're starting to think about your story and what's the thread running through it and what's the needle, right? What's driving you right now? And if you're not sure what that, what that thread is, that's okay. But I'm asking for you to reflect on 
your story and where you've been and where you want to go and what the future's bright, right? And my hope for you for the next week is to reflect and embrace the community that you have around you. And if you don't have a community around you, make one, right? It's not easy, and I know that, but (laughs) make one because community is everything. Community is everything. And we're going to leave it there. You've been listening to Running Through Rivers with me, your host, Shannon Rivers.